Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast, and I'm Joe McCall, and I am with the one and only chess champion, <laughs> Alex Youngblood. You, yeah, man. How are you? I'm doing well, Alex. We're, we're in the middle of a game right now, and I'm looking at it on my phone. Those of you guys that... Uh, we have still not met, but we have now engaged <laughs> in the route of playing chess together. <laughs> yeah. We're playing this uh, online chess thing from our smartphones called Chess with Friends, and... Uh, I think I can tell already Alex is pretty good. He's going to be better than I am, but... Oh, come on now. <laughs> so, anyway, um, yeah, so I don't know what else to say. So, while we're not playing chess with friends, we're doing deals and making money, right? Yes, we are. Got a check the other day for 6800 bucks. Sweet. From a... Now, did you... Wait, you might have already said that one. Oh, did I? <laughs> well, it's okay. It's okay. You know, yeah. it's okay to... Uh... I love was, the check. I'm still excited. You know what I okay, I'll tell you what I got the other day. I got an iWatch. I mean an Apple Watch from a friend that uh-huh. uh here at uh it goes to my church. I helped him taught him a little bit about the business and he's done a couple deals and he he and his wife surprised me watch. with an Apple Watch. Yeah, it's awesome. That's sweet. I was in the store the other day looking at that. That's it's pretty cool. I'm I'm an I'm a Mac head and fanboy and I'm proud to admit it. I love Apple products. Um, okay, so I, listen, I want to get onto this show with um, Mark yeah, because let's get him on here. He we 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 always um, <laughs> there's somebody that uh, we're going to be interviewing in a couple months, I think. Yeah, sometime in early December, we're going to be interviewing him, and uh, he was leaving a review. This particular guy on someone else's podcast, and he made this comment. He says, "Unlike all the other shows out there that take forever to get to the point, I love uh-huh. your show." Because uh-huh. you get right to the point. <laughs> get right to the point. Yeah, yeah. And his initials are Clayton Morris. So oh, okay. We're going to be interviewing Clayton Morris from Fox yeah. Fox News and Friends um, in about a couple, month or two. So he was leaving a review on Tom Kroll's podcast, and I thought that was funny. I thought, oh, shoot. And here we are again, you know, just rambling on w- with our own introduction to this show. And There we go again. Yeah, well. It's it's all it's all good, but um, all right. So we've got a great guy on the show today, Mark Podolsky. Podolsky, Mark Podolsky. I'm sorry, Mark, for butchering your name, but uh, Mark interviewed. No, no problem, Podolsky. Podolsky. Oh. It's yeah. It's a it's a nice Russian name, like Smith or Jones. It is. Where are you from, by the way? Where for your Where uh, is your family from? Like like in Russia or United United States? I'm from originally from St. Louis. Oh no way. Go, yeah. car- go, go Cardinals. Cardinals. Go yeah. Emos. Oh, no. Go Cheese. I, I don't go that far. <laughs> I don't go yeah, that so far. Yeah, you're not originally from. No, I'm Lewis. not originally. Yeah. And, then, and then the big thing is like, what high school did you go to? I know. It's so lame. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> are, is your family from Russia? Um, yeah. I mean, originally, sure. Okay. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, I think from the town of Podolsk. Really? In the 1800s, yeah. Interesting. Wow. So you're from St. Louis, though. Um, I'm from, originally from St. Louis. I live in Scottsdale now. Okay. And uh, Arizona, and I and I love it. I love it. So Mark interviewed yours truly on his podcast, and I just released it the other day. What your podcast is called, the Land Geek, right, Mark? Well, no, it's you know I've got two. I've got the Land Geek podcast, and then I've got the Best Passive Income Model podcast, no where way. I put all my guests on the spot and say. You know, I explain my business model, which I'll, I'll explain to you guys, and say, do I have the best passive income model? So it'll be interesting to see what you know Alex has to say. <laughs> well, you see, he put me on the spot. Mark did, and uh, he asked me that question. So was I on the Land Geek podcast or the you were the best passive, passive income model? Which podcast? one's your bigger one? Best passive income model, because okay. Land Geek is just it's just archived now. We don't update it anymore. Ah, there's like ah. there's like ninety of those. And um, they're all devoted to land where, you know, I want to get experts from other niches and real estate and just business in general to talk about general success. So 
that's what I do now. So, Alex, I wonder if Mark thinks that land is the best passive income model in I, real I'm estate thinking, today. I'm thinking he might think so because there's no tenants, toilets, or troubles. Yes. <laughs> see, there you go. There you go. Well, see, Mark asked me the question. Mark asked me the same question. I tell you what, guys, I'm not going to tell you what I said because I want you to go to his show and listen to it. And it's a really good podcast. I've enjoyed listening to it. Mark is a great host. He's more entertaining than we are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's a, it's a good it, show. And, and go find it. What's the website they can go listen to it, Mark? Um, I, I would just go to thelandgeek.com. And okay. then you just kind of get in there. And, and from there, like, we just start sending it to you. And, and, you know, once you get on that list, Joe, we don't stop sending you stuff. It's you know wow he's open honest and up you, like it's too. it's it's like we're just we just want to overwhelm you with the land geek love until you unsubscribe and say you know what boy Joe McCall is a just a, a breath of fresh air <laughs> right <laughs> right <laughs> well but, I, uh, but if you're interested in the land thing it's great it's great so go to the show and listen to it and find the one that I'm on. I just saw the email come out the other day about my episode, and you can listen to how I answered the question. I, I'd say, I'll give you a little clue. I agreed mostly to, um, well, I'm looking here and I can't find it, Mark. Is it still, is it on here yet? It, it, may, may not, it may be in the queue. I don't know. I, we, 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 yeah. Well, I, I thought I got it, an it email. Was, uh, it should be there. It is from August twenty seventh. Oh, there so you go. So it's been on there okay. for a while. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just got an email about it, so I'm wondering if your emails are a little delayed out. Anyway, uh, it's episode something. It says Mark chats with Joe McCall from RealEstateInvestingMastery.com, and I I remember I partially agreed with you because I was in the Czech Republic when we were talking. I was in Prague, and my team was doing deals in the United States in about two or three different markets without much of my involvement at all. And so there's uh, that's kind of where, where my answer was. But um, I really like land, Mark. I do. And I've, I've never looked at or tried to start investing in it, although I am on the fence. I am really on the fence like, should I? Is it really that easy? Is it a good idea or is it just a distraction? Is it just another shiny object? So I'd like to ask you some questions about that. And feel free to sell me and all of our listeners on how awesome land is. You have our permission. Is, is that okay, Mark? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, no problem. And I, I think, you know, traditionally speaking, when you talk about traditional land, nobody likes land. doesn't appreciate. It doesn't cash flow. It is a problem until you, you know, go into its highest and best use, right, which is typically development. So land is kind of this non-competitive niche. And the way that I kind of worked my program is that we make land cash flow through owner financing. And we do it on a car payment and we look for people that are advertising to us they don't want their property anymore. So we're kind of narrowing this down to people who live out of state and owe back taxes. Well, here's, a, here's an example. I just bought a piece of property. It's 160 acres in Nevada, right? And we paid $6,000 for that parcel wow. that had $180 in back taxes. We flipped it four days later for $54,000. So, which is awesome. below market. Now, do we always have big deals like that? No. I mean, typically, you know, we try to do a car payment and we try to make a thousand percent on our owner financing deals. So we create the note and we try to make a 300% ROI on our cash flips. So, you know, we, I've done deals where I paid, you know, $200 for a piece of property and sold it for $1,200, 99 down, 99 a month right? In two months, my money's out. So you can get those types of deals. But the nice thing about this niche is you don't need any money at all to get going. Where, And that's where the wholesalers, you know, that's kind of the draw of wholesaling. He's like, I don't need a lot of money. 
I can just assign the contract to somebody else and make the spread. Well, in land, you don't really even need any money. I've, I've done deals where we'll lock it up on an option. We'll do our due diligence. We'll, we won't close on it. We'll find the buyer, right? We'll sell it retail, and the buyer will, will <laughs> then pay for that property. And we'll do a, a dual closing. This we do land contracts. Yeah, so with the land contracts, we don't even have to pay for the costs of foreclosure. So it's, it's an amazing model because we have this amazing monthly passive income coming in without having to deal with a tenant, without having to deal with any rehabs or renovations or rodents, right? Uh, it's a one-time sale. You keep that recurring income. I call it the ultimate subscription model. Nothing to protect, nothing to maintain. We don't have to deal with SAFE Act, RESPA, uh, Dodd-Frank because we're not dealing with the tenant so land is exempt. Alex, do I have the best passive income model? Oh, by the way, it's a non-competitive niche, <laughs> right? Nobody <laughs> goes on TV and sees flip this land. Hey, there you go. Are you, are you in? So are you Anthony, in? You, you got start it. You could start it. <laughs> you got to answer his question, Alex. Is it the best? Well, I'll tell you what, what's better? If you well, don't think it's how about in in because I'm open to it in the case of being able to acquire it and uh, I, I mean wouldn't rentals uh, although rentals have a lot more liability a lot more issues that go along with them would rentals be more easy to cash flow would is it hard is it hard to find a way to cash flow empty raw land I mean is it no, uh, I, I mean, I've, 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 done five, I've done over 5,000 deals. I've never been stuck with a piece of property. And because we're buying it 20, 30 cents on the dollar, there's always someone on the other end of that transaction. Always. You can wholesale it and make money. All right. So, but when you say passive, this is some of the questions I wanted to dig in and ask you about. Right. Um, it is a wonderful passive income model. But finding the deals and finding the buyers... That's not very passive, is it? Well, if you are doing it yourself, right, which you have to do in the very beginning, you got to learn the program and the system, and then you podio Joe it. You create <laughs> systems, you create automation, you build your team, and then next thing you know, you're three months in the Czech Republic watching your property report. So how many deals do we buy? How many deals do we sell? And how many are pending? And just like any business, Joe, yeah. you, want, you want to podio Joe it. So until you come to that point <laughs> and you that. build your machine, you, yeah, what you've done then is you built yourself another job, which nobody wants to do. So, you know, solo economic dependency, if you're not working, you're not making any money, is, is not a great long-term strategy. So we can start this out as you being the technician, and then once you get enough competence, you outsource 90% of this business and you just work on the strategy. Well, you're buttering me up so you can get me to say that it's, but, but this Podio Joe stuff, you're buttering me up so I get to say that it's the best passive income model. But it is the best <laughs> passive income model, Joe. It is. Okay, so, so I'll tell you what's better. Honestly, I've really thought about long and hard. The go. only thing better than my model is life insurance because it's just an idea. You don't even have to buy any, anything. Right, it's just an idea, and you get that one-time sale and recurring income until they die. You mean selling life insurance? Selling you mean life the insurance. renewal of a whole life insurance? Yeah, well, just selling life insurance because everybody needs it uh, for the most part. Um, it's just no fun. It's just not not fun to sell. Um, but that is the best passive income model. Nah, I don't know about I, that. I don't know. I mean, that's tongue in what, cheek. What's, what's, what's better? What's better than selling an idea? one time and then getting money for the rest of your life. You don't even have to buy anything. You can just be a broker and you can make a very nice living. <laughs> all right. Well, let's, let's dive into this land stuff. All um, right. So I digress. All right. So, you know, it's, it's, I get it. You, well, I don't, I don't want to be a naysayer, but I'm going to, I'm going to pretend like I am right now. Okay. Okay. Because I, 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 I always get annoyed when I get asked these questions. Sure. Um, but isn't it, it's too hard to find tons of property, to find properties with that much of a discount. I mean, you're talking 20 cents on the dollar. 
Isn't yeah, it's, it, yeah. I mean, I don't think you realize how big our market is. We have no hedge funds. We have no private equity groups playing in this niche. So you've got 2.3 billion acres, right? There's over 126 uh, million people that owe back taxes in this country. There's over 3,000 counties, right? And you've got millions and millions of acres of land. And basically, our market is so big, you will run out of money. Even you, Joe McCall, will run out of money before you run out of deal flow. And if you send out, let's say, 100 offers, 3 to 5% will get accepted. And then out of that 3 to 5%, you might close, let's say, conservatively, 1% to 2%. Well, if we do the math, how many deals do you need to do to move the needle? You don't need that many, right? So, yeah, there's a lot of land out there. I get it. Yeah. But let's talk about demand then. Right. Like, so I don't know. I don't know if you've ever heard of this program out there. It's very small. Uh, National Geographic Preppers. Preppers. Right. Yeah. Right. So there's so there's this huge and there's millions of people in in the country in the world that are hoping for the best, but they're preparing for the worst. Right. So they want a place to bug out to. We also have people who want recreational property. They want property that has no restrictions. There's people that just don't like people. Um, a lot of the military people. Um, they want something they can call their own. And unfortunately, if you go into areas, um, in urban areas, land is very, very expensive. But if you go into the more rural areas, it's very affordable. And the, the, way, the way that we create these notes, it's a car payment. So everybody can afford $149 a month or $249 a month. Um, you know, I've got some notes at, at $2,000 a month. It just depends on where you are in life. And, you know, for the most part, what we call legacy investors. They'll, they'll hold it and they might go out there and visit. They might go ride their, you know, ATVs out there. Um, they might camp. They might hunt. Um, but for the most part, they just like owning an asset that they know they don't have to maintain. They don't have to protect. It's always there for them in case they need it. And it's very easy to own. So what percent of your deals are you selling with a note, like for monthly payments versus just selling with cash? I, I mean, I try to do everything on a note now. When I first started, I just, I, I, had, uh, I had some relationship issues, Joe. So I, I, didn't, I, didn't oh. want, I didn't want a relationship. So I would just flip, flip, flip. And, you know, I thought to myself, my gosh, this is a hustle. I got to constantly buy and sell, buy and sell. There's going to be a better way. It and that's a hustle. Started, yeah, it's a, it's a hustle. <laughs> So I stopped doing that, and now I really just try to do uh, all owner financing if I can. Now, so there are some deals, obviously, they pay off early, or the, the land itself, the market wants just a quick cash flip. Yeah. So where do you pick your markets? Like, Are you just focused on in Arizona because that's where you live, or are you focused bigger than that? Yeah, so that's the great thing about raw land, too, is with Google Earth, and a local Craigslist gig or wegolook.com, my playground is huge. It's scalable. I can buy raw land anywhere in the country. Now, I personally like the Southwest, a little bit in the Northwest, California, and Florida. So nobody wakes up, Joe, and thinks to themselves, boy, it'd be great to own some land in Missouri, right? <laughs> Unless you live in Missouri. But, there, but everybody oh, wakes wait up. wait a second. Right. <laughs> right, right. So you got that smaller kind of niche market. So, but people like the idea of owning property in Nevada and Arizona, you know, Florida, California, New Mexico, Colorado, those areas, right? Yeah, okay. So that's, that's I mean, that's, it's a, and again, it's a big market. So you don't, you would not try to do deals in Missouri? I've done deals in Missouri. I don't look for them. Don't you think you could sell them on owner financing? I definitely have, and I can. It's just, again, I'd rather have as big a buyer pool as possible. Okay, so you, you're, you're looking for buyers, obviously, just like with regular traditional household sailing. Um, you follow the money where the demand is. Correct. Okay, so you're going after California, Florida, Nevada, Arizona where there's probably a lot of other competition going for these deals for, for this land, right? Yeah, I mean, again, you, me, 100,000 other people, right? We will run out of money before we run out of land. 
So I, I, I always say to my, my coaching clients, because it's a, it's a scarcity kind of mentality. Right. Like, oh my gosh. Right. If, if everyone starts doing this, um, there's not going to be enough deals. And I tell everybody the same thing. I've been doing this since 2000, and I've never talked to a seller who said, hey, Mark, got your offer, have two others just like it, and yours is the lowest. It's never happened. That is true. Yeah. Okay. All right, so let's talk about how you're finding these deals. You're, you're going where the demand is. You're looking at California, Florida, Nevada, Arizona. Um, I, get, I imagine any state where there's a lot of sand. Any state where there's a lot of sand, yeah. So I'm going to these, these big areas, um, these bigger counties. And there's like one county in Texas that has like 28,000 uh, parcels for sale. I mean, it, it's it's crazy how much property Okay, so now who are you so, targeting? Are you targeting people who already have their parcels for sale or? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm targeting people who are advertising to me their parcels are for sale because they owe back taxes. If they don't eventually pay their taxes, that property goes to a tax lien or a tax deed sale. So the clock is ticking. They're eventually going to lose that property. That's the low-hanging fruit. Okay. Right. And especially if they live out of state. I mean, you know, if you own property, Joe, in Arizona, and I know by looking at the um, the treasurer's uh, role of people that owe back taxes, that you live in St. Louis, well, you're you have no emotional attachment to that property, and you owe back taxes. You're most likely to take something instead of getting nothing. There's got to be though, us. Uh, I mean, areas that are just desert and desolate and nobody in the world would want to live there for any possible reason Alex, or Alex I have to tell you there's a pig for every barn <laughs> I've I've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars being a land snob my first 2 years in this business and I've watched a buddy of mine <laughs> like I mean this stuff was so ugly so in the middle of nowhere such bad access and I thought to myself you you were either going to get sued or you were going to never be able to sell this property. And he would keep emailing me sale after sale after sale. And I would keep emailing him back the same thing, subject line, refund, refund, lawsuit. It never happened. Uh. So I, I started, you know, stop being a snob about it. And there is a pig for every barn. I, here's a good example. Uh, Scott Todd, one of my uh, coaching clients, made a mistake in his due diligence. He bought a mud pit. In Florida, a mud pit. He flipped it (laughs) at a $21,000 profit to a guy that wanted to ride his ATV in a mud pit and sent him a video and he loves it. Wow. Wow. There literally is a pig for every. (laughs) There is. There literally is. So, you know, it's just like, it's just like if you were in the housing market and you thought, oh, I'll never buy inner city property or. You know something that's a little bit kind of more run down. Um, you know these kind of these low end housing things. You know you, people put their nose up to them. I, you know, you and I would never live there, but there's people that that's what they can afford and that's what they like. You know, or even you know mobile home market, right? So I'm I'm not a snob anymore. Well, do you will you still do land vacant lots in the inner city? I won't okay. because inner city lots have some issues as far as restrictions. Right, they want you to mow those lots. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So unless I can sell it really quickly to a neighbor, um, I won't ever put money down on it. I might lock it up. You know, I'll give myself thirty days to see if I can find a buyer for it and make my three hundred percent or a thousand percent. But if I don't, I won't close. Well, let's talk about that. When how do you make your offers? Do you make them contingent on something that gives you time to try to find a buyer for it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How does that? What does that look yeah, like? There's, there's always an escape clause. So usually we'll say um, in our offer. I mean, I have to like pull it up, but there's just there's legalese in it, right? Um, that says if this is you know we we have we reserve the right to back out of this at any time. Basically. So how how much time do you give yourself then? So we usually you know we'll give them a 14 day close. Now between you and me, it takes a couple hours to do due diligence and get a title report done and. And all that. Now, if we're if it's a bigger deal, let's say it's five thousand dollars or more, um, I'll use a title company, and then we'll just go. We'll just go through title. No, that's, but that's really like, easy. so you're giving 
Will you buy we, the we, land before we, you? We before sell we, properties in thirty days or less. So you you don't close on it till you 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 feel comfortable enough closing on it before you even have a buyer for it. If yeah, correct. If if there's enough information that you know, I've got enough data that says yeah, I've done this a hundred times in this area. We'll sell. We'll we'll buy it. But if it's a new area like 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 Alex's inner city lot, right? Then no, I won't buy it until I can find a buyer. Okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm real risk averse. So you just feel good about, you know, this is a good enough area. I'm familiar enough with it. I know I could find a buyer on it. And I imagine so if you're selling these things with owner financing, what, what, what are you asking for a down up front typically? You know, I usually try to get my money out on the down. Okay. But if I can't and the market's saying, saying to me, no, it's, it's too high, then I try to get my money out, you know, no, no longer than 12 months um, or, you know, or – but you know, ideally six months or less. Now, what's interesting though is that if I ever did need cash, is that we could sell that note, right, and get my cash out, or sell partial on that note. Sure. So I might get my money out and sell twelve months of those payments to an investor. Partials are very powerful. Partials uh, are really powerful. What? It's almost like you know. Alex, you, go ahead and say it. Don't be shy. I have the best investment model. You deal what? with tenants, right? And I don't deal with tenants. No, no, no. But this is what I'm saying. You're dealing with tenants, and you've got the tenants like, okay, I got to pay my, I got to pay my rent, I got to pay my cable, I got to pay my car note, and I got to pay um, for my other car note, whatever it is. And then you know they're like, oh, well, then you know maybe maybe after that, then I'll pay my rent. So the people that you're selling to, it's not necessarily. A necessity. So, what's your uh, repo rate? Let me put it that way. As far as having to deal with people who are not paying on their right, notes. right, right. So, the repo rate, depending on the economy, is at best ten percent, and at worst thirty percent. And honestly, like I don't care if they if I have to get it back because we have that system in place. We'll sell it again for another down. We'll get another person in there. It's just a numbers game. Right, right. So, um, you know, we're just shuffling paper and making money. Right, right, right. Yeah. Go ahead, Alex. Do you want to say it? You'll feel better saying it. Say what? Mark, you do have the best passive income. Oh. <laughs> but you, it, 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 it's, it's like liberating. Go ahead and say it. Well, what, um, what, okay, so let, give me an example of something that you or one of your students bought recently for cheap money and then sold it on our owner finance and then what type of cash flow stream are you looking at? All right. So I'll tell you right now here, if I go to, I'm going to go to my website cause I just put this up on success stories. This is a, this is something I just copied and pasted from our, our Facebook group. Um, so Chris Pritchard started about five months ago. He's got $90,000 now in a note portfolio. He's making 1500 bucks a month passive. Um, so, so this deal is a great cu- case study on how this land business can really pay off. I just sold land on contract with a total payments of $35,700 over 84 months. It was $2,700 down from the buyer, including $199 doc fee. The payment is $425 a month. Then he wrote, okay, fine. It's not the best deal ever so far, right? This is where it gets really good. I did a double closing on this land with $0 out of pocket. The sellers are old and gave up on the land a few years ago. They owed about six thousand in taxes and seventeen hundred in back HOA dues. I used my special itemized full cost closing technique. I said I'll pay ninety-seven hundred dollars for the land, of which I'll pay six thousand dollars for the taxes and seventeen hundred dollars for the HOA fees. HOA fees netting you a check of two thousand dollars. Now remember, he's putting two thousand dollars out of pocket. He sold it for thirty-five thousand seven hundred. He got twenty-seven hundred dollars down. Now, he said, I think it's important to show that I won't go into his whole thing. He said, okay, so anyway, the down payment from the buyer will cover the cost of acquiring the land plus $700 goes right in my pocket. I will put the taxes and fees on a payment plan and pay them down from the payments on the land, about $100 a month. Not a dime of my money will ever go into any of this land. Oh, the kicker is that I still have one more lot that I get free and clear that I still get to sell. The main deal is three adjacent lots totaling four acres. The freebie is a one-point-acre lot, which is listed for $7,500, 
or about $10,000 after interest. I just wanted to demonstrate the power you possess in your hands when you work the system. Chris Pritchard. Let me ask you this. Do you let's like say, do you, do you want to, do you want to say it? Is it? Let's say I go do you want to burden yourself. I mean, you know, my area is pretty interesting here. I can go, um, you know, I, I'm in a, a suburban area, I guess you could say. Um, and you go a half hour to one direction to the east or a half direct, you know, half east, you're in the water at the, in Virginia beach. If you go a half hour west, you're out in the, in the sticks. So let's say I start looking in the sticks for, um, people who've got, um, delinquent taxes and such. And I find somebody who's got a big chunk of land with delinquent taxes. Uh, It's not really a developable developable piece. There's no utilities to it. It's just grass sitting there doing nothing. How do I make money on that? And how do I sell it? Let's say I get somebody, they say, yeah, go ahead, take this. Yeah, so so Alex, what what you're saying is this is not property that Alex would want to own, right? I agree with you. That's property I personally wouldn't want to own. But right. if we go back to there's a pig for every barn, there right. is somebody that wants to own How that do property. I sell What's my fastest way to sell it? So the fastest way to sell it is the neighbor. Because now the neighbor, you're going to send them a, you're going to send them a letter and say, "Hey, I just bought this piece of property. I'm going to take it to the open market. I want to give you the opportunity to control whom your neighbor is." Uh-huh. Right? There's fear there. Oh my gosh, who's going to build right next to me. Who am I going to have to deal with? The neighbor is the quickest and the fastest and the most lucrative. Let's say they pass. Well, now you have a potential piece of deal flow. Well, how come you don't want it? Do you want to sell your property? Now I've got two adjacent lots, right? Right. So we can keep doing that. Now we've got something even more packageable. But let's say, for example, that the neighbors pass and you've got to sell that property super fast. Again, the, the clock is ticking on our model. We only have 30 days. We want right. velocity, right? So where's the easiest and quickest way to go? Craigslist. It's free. Of course, right? Craigslist. So, yeah. we can go to, so we go to Craigslist. Um, we can go to Backpage. We can go to landandfarm.com. We can go to landflip.com. We can go to landwatch.com. So we already have this built-in buyer base of people. I guess you could even list it on the MLS, too, if you wanted to. You could, yeah, you could go to Zillow. You could list on the MLS. You could do postlets. You can do all these crazy Things that are very, very inexpensive for marketing. Does okay. that answer the question? Yeah, I just, I'm just like, again, I'm thinking about a certain area in my market, which again is in the sticks and it's way out there. And I'm just like, man, I wonder who in the world, what would they want to do with it? It's just sitting there doing nothing. I mean, well, you know what's surprising, what's interesting too about this? If you, I know a guy in Texas who is, owns about 90. Uh, notes on homes Mm -hmm. and what he's done is uh, he goes into small towns and he actually targets small towns with like four or five thousand people in them is is this mitch uh no oh okay um uh, he might be a student of mitch mitch's because he's talked about mitch before okay and uh so what he does is he he gets these con he gets these properties for just sometimes for free sometimes for five grand they're totally trashed and he sells them with owner financing, right? Right. Well, here's the cool thing: what he does, he sticks a sign. He sticks a sign in the yard once in a while. He'll stick signs in the neighborhood, but he says you'll be shocked how many people from that little town will call that sign, and will have the cash to buy that house. He says it's amazing to him, and he says he gets calls like this all the time. Yeah, you know, I got my mom in my basement. And I want to get her out of the house. I'm, I'll. Can I buy this one? Or it'll be the dad who's got his son who won't leave his house, and the I got to get him off my couch. So it's these, it's these guys that are selling, right. trying to buy a house for somebody else in their family. So I was surprised to hear that how he sells them so easily with just signs in the uh, in the in the yard. Yeah, I mean, so we're doing kind of the same thing, but we're sure. just doing digitally, so we can so we can really scale this. So. Thing. Talk about how you make your offers. How about how do you calculate your offers? You, when you're sending out marketing, so so yeah. So basically, what we do is we'll look at some comps, right, and then we'll do our backwards calculation. Um, you know, because the, the, I really want to make 300 percent worst case on a cash flip. So that's all we'll do. So if we see that the properties are going for what 
$4,000, right? Then the most I'll buy that property for is $1,000. Okay. So it's pretty, it's pretty easy. Now, and that's another great advantage of land is, you know, it's truly that last piece in real estate where nobody knows what the hell the value is, right? It's truly what a buyer and seller agree to. Oh, something just hit me. Yes. <laughs> that would rival your best passive cash flow scenario. Oh, notes. Nice. Notes in general will. Yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. They will. Um, I love notes. So there's, there's definitely no argument on, on the note piece as long as you're buying the right asset, right? So because you, you know, notes are either going to pay or they're not. And you've got to know, then it's an underwriting game. Now, can you make 300% to 1,000% on notes? No, you can't. So I'm going to go uh. back to I have the best passive income. <laughs> but I agree with you. From a hassle-free perspective, notes are great. And so when you integrate both pieces into my program, then you've really got something very powerful. So back to making offers, though. When you, when you send out your marketing, are yes. you just sending out regular, old, ugly, yellow letters? Hey, I want to buy your land. Or, or No, no. So, so Joe, what you explained yeah. is a typical housing model. Because it's so competitive, you've got, to, you've got to generate interest, right? Mine's not competitive. So I don't want to be in the appraisal business. I give them an actual dollar amount on that letter that says, I want to buy your property for this amount. And we'll close by this date. And, you know, we're going to close on this this title company and here's our out in case we don't like it. So, and then a percentage of those people just accept that 20 to 30 So you're mailing an offer for the first time. I'm Have mailing an offer the first time. I don't want to be on the, on the phone all day. Can you hear how many times my phone's been ringing? Well, it's on, it's on mute, but it hasn't. So, it doesn't ring. What, have you tested it? Have you done that the other way, though? Have you sent out just mail to try to get as many people to call as possible? and then? Yeah, and then I'm on the – I mean, you know, what's my effective hourly rate if I'm on the phone all day? I'd be, I'd be talking to too many people. The market's too big, Joe. Well, that's what VAs are for, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what VAs are for. But even still, they're going to have to go through so many – before, I mean, it's just our market's so big. Why not just say this? You want people to call you back that are ready to go. I understand that. I want the low hanging fruit. And, you know, if we ever just got to the point where, you know, we had an issue with deal flow, then sure, we could do that. That's, I mean, I know, I mean, there are people that do it that way. I just, I personally don't like it that way. So, okay. So, how do you put this together on your uh, spreadsheet? Do you have, okay, here's my spreadsheet of names, here's my spreadsheet of addresses. And then there's a section where you're inputting your offer so everything mail merges together. Uh, how are you then coming up with the number? Or are you just going 20 cents on the dollar as far as what it's assessed for? Or how are you judging the 20 cents on the Right. So, so, we'll, so we're going to get that treasures list of people that owe back taxes. We're going to scrub the list. We're going to get rid of all the homes and the commercial property, the industrial property. And we'll, we'll sort it by use code, right? And then let's say there's a thousand names on that list, right? We'll we'll basically do some due diligence on some on one or two areas, right? We'll do a batch, and then we'll look at it on a price per acre basis. We'll do a little bit of calculations, and we'll put in our Excel file. Here's what we'll pay on that for that property. We then upload that file into Podio, and then let the automation begin. I like I like automation. Let it go, Joe. Let it go, Joe. And we, we, right. Alex, are you, are you ready to unburden yourself? <laughs> well, talk about the automation then. You're using. Oh, my gosh. He won't do it. Joe McCall, what do I have to do? <laughs> I just don't know. I can't. I don't know enough about land to say that it's the best passive income model. I know enough about wholesaling right, to say sorry. I like my passive income model of wholesaling where I can do this in virtual market because I literally now. What? You know, though, Joe, it's not really passive 100% because there's people involved. Well, there's people it's, involved with you know, Mark's business. Yeah, but once, but it's something that has to be kept being done over and over and over and over and over and over again. We're hustlers, like we said. Right. We got to keep it going. It's not, that's the difference between, yeah, it's a business, 
I'll give you but this. Still, would I rather? It, it's a business, but it doesn't have any. any enterprise I'll give you this. Would, would would I rather right, have a piece of problem. land that's cash flowing three hundred bucks a month, or a rental property that's cash flowing three hundred bucks a month? I think I would say land. Yeah, I could agree with that. So, what does that mean, Mark? Am I, am, I have the best passive income model. I don't know yeah. if I'm ready to commit to that. I just get nervous with that question. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the truth is, you know, you got to define passive, right? I mean, nothing is passive, first of all. So I think, I think the question is kind of misleading in a way because there is work involved. I mean, even if I inherited a billion dollars, that's not passive. I still have to figure out a way to put that money to work to yeah. generate the interest, Right, I mean, there's nothing as passive. So, um, I do think that this model, in the real estate niche, if you automate it and you systematize it, it is the simplest model, and in um, a great way to build passive income. I think it's the ultimate subscription model, and you don't have to, you know, deal with the typical real estate headaches of renters and rehabs and renovations and rodents. That's, I think it's, it's just a very simple model. Now, is it easy? Absolutely not. It takes effort like anything else. But once you've created your machine and you podio Joe it, it's, it's a lot of fun. Let's talk about those systems and podio. What, what do you have podio do for you? you calculate. So we have, we have five apps in okay. podio. And basically, so we have our offers app, so we upload that list into our offers app and boom, they go out via lob, right? Then we have a little checklist in there for the due diligence. So we do our due diligence piece in Podio, which then brings us into uh, the closing. So you know, once we close that property, it kind of integrates into our marketing and we actually make that ad in Podio. And then we say, okay, where are we going to put it? And it starts, we do an automation to our website. And from there, our VA then takes that information and goes and, and, goes and makes it ubiquitous. Let's say fancy hands like automation and put it on you know, Craigslist and Backpage and wherever else we want to market it. And then we uh, basically automate the closing of it. We prepare the deed. We prepare all the paperwork. We have the, uh, the collecting of the money automated as well, um, down payment plus getting our monthly payments using a program called ZimpleMoney.com, Z-I-M-P-L-E. So it's, it's like simple with a Z. And that way we get a better, we don't have as big a default rate because we're not using a credit card, right? They're, you know, it's their account number and routing number. And then it's set up in Zimple Money. It's web-based. They can check their balance at any time. And it's done. And then it's Go to the next one. Simple money. I've never heard of it. So it's free. So it's just, so it's just five. It's just five uh, workflows. Okay. And when when the yeah. due diligence part does that happen after they respond to your letter? Yeah. So after they respond to the letter, they agree to the offer. Then we go through due diligence. We want to make sure they actually own the property, right? We want to make sure there's no liens or encumbrances. We want to make sure that the back taxes aren't onerous. If they owe too much in back taxes. It's going to eat our margin. We won't close. Right, or we might have to retrade and say, "Hey, look, um, you owe two thousand dollars in back taxes. My offer was for six thousand dollars. I'm gonna have to adjust my offer to four thousand dollars." Right, so we can do something like that. We want to make sure there's ingress and egress, legal access. Um, we want to make sure there's something compelling about the property. Is there a good story here? Is there mountain views? Are we near a, a, a town? Are we in the path of growth? Um, you know, what's the story? And then if all those things check out, then we go ahead and, and close very quickly. But even though there's a pig for every barn, you still will turn down some deals. If, yeah. So, for example, um, Ma and Pa Smith die, and they haven't done their probate papers correctly. And um, Ma and Pa's children are trying to sell me property that they don't legally own. I can't close on that property. Um, so, you know, those issues can happen. Right. What if there is no ingress or egress? Well, there's a pig for every barn. So as long as I can feel comfortable that there's unfettered access and that I can feel comfortable saying to my buyer, you know, I want you to know from the get-go, if you are going to buy this property, you cannot build on it. Because if you go to a bank 
and they look at the preliminary title report and there's not ingress and egress, they will not give you a loan. Now, can you get to the property? Sure. Is anyone going to stop you from getting to the property? No, right? But if that's your highest and best use for this property, you can't buy this property. All right. So you just explain that to them. Yeah. yeah so we highlight the flaws in the land. And what does that do? It builds rapport. It builds trust. If there was a problem with the property, you could make your contract more of an option contract, couldn't you? Couldn't you say, listen, I don't know if I can make this happen or not, um, but I'm just going to give you an option to buy this property. Um, Correct. Yeah, we do that a lot too. Okay. Hey, let me, let me say this. And now when you're saying egress, ingress, egress, are you, are you talking about landlocked lots? Yeah, landlocked lots, correct. Okay. Like like 85% of Nevada is landlocked. Yeah. So so okay, so what I one of my experiences um I I pulled a small list in an area because I was looking for lots to build on and um came across a guy um that bought land at auctions for the taxes which is probably another great way to to come across land and then what they do is they just sit on them in hopes that they'll get developed soon and, you know, somebody's going to put in water and sewer and then boom, the value of their land is going to appreciate tremendously. So I came across a lot of landlocked lots that I could buy for really, really, really cheap. But I just, I, I, um, I just was like, I mean, Alex, flip them to me wholesale. I'll buy them. This thing was landlocked. There's nothing you can do with it. I've done it enough times to know that there is a buyer for that property. You and I aren't that buyer, but there's someone that doesn't care if it's landlocked as long as they can actually get to the property because they are never going to build on it and they can afford it, right? Why is it so inexpensive? Well, because it's landlocked. Yeah, because it's landlocked and there's no water and sewer. No water and sewer, right. So you're going to have to go solar. Like I own a property – you're gonna have in, to go. in Arizona, right? <laughs> like the water table is so deep, it would cost 10 times more in the property than the land. So what do we do? We say you can't, you can't get water. You have to truck your water in. Water by storage tank. We can't get utilities out there, right? Power by solar. There's people that are living out there and they're happy as can be. I bought that property for, I actually have a note on that one. I bought that property for $500. I sold it for seventy five hundred, and they're paying two hundred dollars a month, and they're happy as can be. They go out there with their their trailer and, and live. They love it. I didn't know um, <laughs> if this would be something that has to do with the city, though. Could the city say no? You can't. You can't build a house there because it's landlocked. Or would that be the choice of the homeowner at that point? Yeah, I mean, planning and zoning would not issue a permit for sure. Right. So yeah. So yeah. I mean, you've got to tell them. Look, you you can't build here. You can set up a tree stand and drink coffee in the morning, but that's it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, again, you know, there is a pig for every barn. That's our. That's, that's our niche. That is the that is the phrase of this call. There is a pig for every barn. There's a pig for every barn, and it's. I guess it's it's you know it's kind of hard to get your head around until you've done it enough times, right? Sure, I can give you, I understand that because a lot of people yeah. understand, look at wholesaling and they're like, oh, you can't do that. You can't sell something you don't own. And Right, right. Well, yes, we own exactly. a contract, we're selling a contract, that's what we're doing. But yeah, it can be hard and, to get And, and you're protecting yourself too because you're not actually closing on it until you know you can sell it, until you have a pig. Correct. Correct. Until you have a pig. Until you have a pig, yeah. (laughs) Gotta love bacon. I mean, you know what's funny is I one of my biggest mistakes was I bought a subdivision in Pennsylvania and it was beautiful, million dollar houses in there. I was getting the lots for for, you know nothing because um it was overdeveloped. It was one of those overdeveloped subdivisions. So there might have been five hundred homes, but there were twenty five hundred lots. And they were a quarter acre to a half acre. So I go in and I start negotiating and telling them, look, you've got dead money here, county, and you've got dead money here, HOA. Give them to me. And with my marketing, I'll get you a new HOA fee, right? And I'll get you someone who's going to start paying their property taxes. 
So they agreed. I mean, it's gated. It's got two PGA-rated golf courses. It's got three lakes. It's beautiful. Like, there was tons of pigs for this barn, so I thought. Well, guess when I closed on that deal? 2007, right? And, um, and I made maybe 100 grand before 2008 runs around, and the economy tanks, and nobody wants to pay a $495 a year HOA fee if they're not going to build in that neighborhood. So I, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is going to be phenomenal. People from New York are going to want to have a second home here. It didn't happen. And that, that was a mistake. So now I, I avoid those types of areas, even though to the outside and to somebody who's traditional, what a phenomenal buy. So how do you avoid another unsellable pigs? Yeah, how do you avoid those? So, you know, we do what we just talked about. You option it. If you don't know, you don't close. All right. So you could have avoided that problem in yeah. 2007. Yeah, yeah, if I had a mentor who would said to me, Mark, you know what? Just do a takedown deal with them. Buy them, you know, five at a time. See how it goes before you commit to taking down, you know, 1,500 lots. Um, that would have been very helpful. So you were committed. You already bought these things. I Well, I kind of did. I mean, I didn't really spend much money because they were giving them to me. But, I, you know, again, I always look at my effective hourly rate. So I'm flying back and forth and I'm negotiating. And, you know, when I factored in my time, I think I broke even on the deal. Sure. Okay. Mark, we were talking about the demand for rental housing is always going to be higher than the demand for vacant land. Right. And, it, and I would actually equate it in the same way where you would say the demand for food is always going to be higher than the demand for an Apple Watch. Right? Nobody needs an Apple Watch. <laughs> right? Yeah. But my goodness, if you look at Apple's numbers, <laughs> they're doing okay on products that nobody needs. Luxury items. Right. Yeah, a luxury item. But you could even make that argument for just about 99.9% .9 of the things that we have in our lives. We don't need them, right? Okay. But we, but we want them. What about, you know, the other factors involved with, you know, depreciation, with tax benefits? Aren't there more tax benefits with... Not, not through a self-directed IRA, no. So if you do it through a self-directed IRA with a Roth, it's tax-free building up a 300% to 1,000%. If, you're, if you can't do a Roth, then it's tax deferred in your self-directed IRA at 300% to 1,000%. Um, I agree with you. You don't get – you can't depreciate land. Right. Right. But I think that's a small price to pay for not having to deal with renters, rehabs, renovations, and rodents. You also can't use leverage with land, correct? Well, you can use other people's money. Um, the seller can finance you, so you can certainly use leverage. Why not? Do you ever do deals like that where the seller finances you and then you turn around and finance it out? Yeah, I did a million-dollar deal that way. Yeah, that's how I, I took down one of my bigger deals um, because I didn't have a million dollars cash. So what you know, if the seller wants to sell their land but they want too much or they have to have too much for it, do you then yeah. also make yeah, an offer – yeah, they're more likely to sell or finance you then. Because, so, again, you know, we, it's so non-competitive that there's no, there's no one else down the, down the pike. So when they say no to your offer, do you then turn around and offer seller financing at a higher price? Well, I don't because, you know, there's a, you know, there's a deal like the, the bus. Like there's another one down the pike. Like I'm the worst person to negotiate with. Like you don't want it? Fine. I'll go to the next one. Yeah. You know? Save my offer, come back to me in 90 days. Just remember the clock is ticking. So you will eventually lose that property if you don't sell it to me. So again, something is better than nothing. And sometimes I would just explain to them the story of sunk cost, right? I mean, it's a hard pill to swallow, but go on with your life. Take this money and do something that you want to do with it. Stop paying taxes on this land and stop getting the notices. And just, you know, it's going to free up a lot of mental energy for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think that housing is more recession proof than land is? Um, I think that, you know, in, in the real estate cycle, right, we're all in the cycle. So I think when, 
when residential housing gets hit, let's say first, then it might be commercial and then it might be industrial and it kind of goes all the way down the line and land is maybe the last to get hit. But land is also the last to recover as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, that is, that is kind of a good point in the sense that uh, the market factors for land are a little bit different than residential housing, but I would certainly make the argument that I made money in 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011 when my developer friends and my house flipping friends uh, were, were underwater and getting killed, right? So all I had to do was kind of adjust my business model a bit, but it wasn't that difficult. How did you adjust it? So like how would you avoid the developer friends that were underwater? How do you avoid that? Well, you know, they over-leveraged, number one. So because I wasn't using leverage, I had a lot more staying power. I did have that nice note portfolio. So, you know, the big adjustment for me was, okay, you know, honey, we, we can't keep spending like we're spending because we're all, we all kind of like, you know, drunk on money from, let's say, 2003 to 2006. So, you know, Mark had to personally kind of cut back, but the business itself was still generating a very comfortable six-figure income, but that was the adjustment. All right. And then, then, and then it's like, okay, if I don't have to pull out as much money out of, out, of the, out of the company, let's be as aggressive as hell here and buy up as much as we can in 2008, 2009, 2010, which is what we did. I mean, we could buy all day long. Um, it was just a little tougher to sell. But again, when you make it irresistible, which is, I think is the key with our marketing at a, at a car payment that everyone can afford, um, you're okay. And then you come out of it and things are fun again. Because I think that was, that's yeah. the key too. You weren't over leveraged or if yeah. you weren't leveraged at all. Yeah. So, or no leverage. Yeah. So you just didn't have as much in cash flow coming in. Yeah. I mean, the, the nice thing about this model is, my gosh, our overhead is so low, right? I mean, I was doing this on my house with, you know, just me and an assistant for the longest time. All right. All right. So let's talk about your goal is to do a deal a day. A deal a day. How do you do that? Well, you just do the numbers. So you just have to send out at least 20 offers a day, and then it just becomes a numbers game. So let's talk about the numbers. You send out 20 offers a day. 20 offers a day. It's, you know, let's say 100 a week, right? 3 to 5% are going to get accepted, right? Uh-huh. So that's five a week. Okay. Right? So there you go. That's every day. I don't work weekends. What what uh, percent of the deals <laughs> of the offers that get accepted do you actually do? Um, the majority of them because I'm okay. not like, I'm not like Alex. I'm not like a you know a land snob. Aha! Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, well, with, if it's so easy, then why not two deals a day? Ooh, uh, ooh good, good question. question. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Just double your offers, right? Sure, do forty <laughs> of them. Podio yeah. Joe does it. Uh. Yeah, I know. That's a, that's a great point. And, you know, in some areas we do do that, right? I'm just saying in general, um, that's, that's typically what we'll do overall. But, yeah, there are some areas where we'll, we'll blow it out for sure. Well, some areas will probably get more offers accepted than others. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, yeah, in the automation piece, I mean, you know, and, again, keeping your overhead low, right, I mean, I have to have it manageable too. Sure. I, I really don't want to be closing 20 deals a day. Yeah. You don't have the staff for that. And you don't want the overhead for that. Uh, yeah. I mean, how much is enough, right? So how could somebody who wants to get to 10 grand a month in passive income, can you just kind of give us a game plan for that? Yeah, that's, a hundred, that's, a, that's 102 deals um, at 99 bucks a month, right? Okay. So that's it. And so if you send out, you should be there within a 12 to 18 months if you just send out 20 offers a day and you just do a simple car payment. That's, it. that's, that's just being very conservative, right? If you want to just replace the average American income of, say, $5,000 a month at a $149 a month you know, car payment, that's 22 deals, just 22 deals. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a, a, a student of mine. He's bought 118 properties his first – four months and 
he's going to do that. So he's just going to do nine nine down, nine nine a month, and he's you know it's going to move the needle. I, you know, and for him, he just wants to make three hundred thousand dollars a year in passive income. So figuring if you're figuring in twenty thirty percent default, you need to have enough enough offers out there to get you know what three hundred and sixty grand. I, I right, right, yeah, exactly. So you got you got to be hustling too, on those. You know, you'd have backup buyers basically for those properties, or just you know you've got your team in place. They've got thirty days to put a new person in there. So, but your your ROI then becomes really really high because you're keeping all that money, and then there's no cost of foreclosure and you're just doing it again. So you in in a way, you've as you continue to building this huge note portfolio. It also mitigates your need to have um, a huge amount of deal flow like you would as a wholesaler because you have it already. You know these are going to come out and you just put somebody back in. And then you've mitigated market risk because let's say they paid for three years and the market's way higher. You sell it at a higher price with a higher note payment. And you know, the opposite is true if the market goes down. All right. All right. You still got taxes to pay, but you're escrowing those every month, right? Yeah, yeah. So they pay your taxes. Right? All right. And then, well, what, so what if you don't pay your taxes? And so what? <laughs> what? <laughs> right? Well, that's another, you know, that's another strategy as well called overages. So you buy it before it gets to the tax deed sale, right? You don't pay your taxes. It goes to sale and somebody bids it up. Uh, you know, you three or four thousand dollars more than your tax amount, then you apply for that overage, and that you know that's pretty fun too. <laughs> but that's but that's getting a little bit more complicated. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, Mark, this has been really good. I, I I am looking at all the questions I wrote down here, and you've answered all of them. Alex, do you have any other questions for Mark? No questions. I'm just listening and appreciating his good info. It sounds like a great business. It does. You know, I, you know why, why does Alex have to say great? It would be so much. How about awesome? It would be so much easier if he, it would be, you know, I think he needs to unburden himself and just say, Mark, you do have the best passive income model. Did you say it, Joe? Uh, I think I, I did it with a caveat. Ah, okay. All right. But, see, I, you know, it is a little weird to be pressured into saying something's the best. It is. By it somebody is. who thinks I, it is. It's a big bull wrong. I agree. But it is, it is, it is, it is my podcast shtick. And yeah. So, well, for, you know, for the listeners out there, I do apologize. I'm just hazing Alex. Um, it's all good. For, for the fun of it. But, you know, <laughs> I, I think the responsible answer is it's the best passive income model for me, right? It may not be for you. Land sure. isn't for everybody, honestly. And I think more people can wrap their heads around wholesaling and wholetailing and flipping and fixing and flipping houses, something physical than, than what I'm doing. And so, you know, as much as I like to say, it, you know, the reality well, Mark, is it's the best passive income model for me. So I apologize, Alex. I, I apologize, listeners. I um, think, Mark, what we should do is just ballot over in a game of chess. <laughs> <laughs> Ponder Rook 4. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but this has been a very good podcast and i think you i keep on getting pushed over and over closer to the edge of dumping into this i think for anybody listening to this too if you decided that land you want to go into land and and play with that you got to go all in like don't just tip your toe in the water and see like you know i'll just test this out and see if it works i i think that's setting yourself up for failure i think if you want to go into land you need to hire a coach like mark and there's other guys out there that teach this stuff too, but go all in, you know, just go all in. And that's, I, I would think you would agree, Mark, wouldn't you, that the students that you see that have the most success are the ones that are just, I'm going to make this work come hell or high water and I'm all in. My chips are all in. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, not just for my model, for, for any model, sure. honestly, sure. Um, you've got to, you've got to be willing to, you know, embrace the suck with any learning curve and um and kind of be comfortable with being uncomfortable at first yeah so i i agree 100 i think that i think that applies really just to general success yeah well good there's a pig for every barn 
That'll be the title of the podcast. That is the title of the podcast right there. Nice. <laughs> all right, all right. Nice. So, um, Mark, again, the best place to go to get more info about you is thelandgeek.com. Is that right? Uh, yeah, thelandgeek.com. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Yeah, or they can go on iTunes and look for our, our podcast together on uh, the, the Best Passive Income Model podcast. I'm almost embarrassed now to say the name of the, the podcast. But yeah, thelandgeek.com is the best place to go. All right. Very good, Mark. You've been a great guest, and we appreciate it. Joe, Alex, thanks, you guys, so much. I really appreciate it. And, Thank uh, you, Mark. You know, I look forward to, uh, to, to talking with you guys in the future. All right, guys. Go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to get the show notes. We uh, have a transcription of this episode in there as well. We should. And all the links that we talked about, like Zimple Money and thelandgeek.com and Mark's info will be in there. And uh, go to Real Estate Investing Mastery. Check it out. Go to The Land Geek to check out Mark's site. And uh, thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Mark. Great call. Thanks, guys. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.